live. Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozeal and this is a show where I get to talk to people in the sports business industry and see all the things that happen outside of the lines. And today I have Sean Pate. He's the brand marketing officer at Zenny, the awesome glasses company that I've been repping, as I said, for about 18 months now. So no free ads, but today, Sean, Today, you get a free ad. How are you doing today, man? I'm great, Michael. Thanks for having me on. And hey, thanks for being a customer for so long. I don't even have to sell you on it today. You, you're already there. You're good, man. I'll help sell all the people. They were really cheap, really high quality glasses, and I like them a lot. Bang. There you go. We can clip that. You can use yeah. it, run it across the internet, whatever you like. How's that sound? That's all you need to know about it. Love it, man. Love it. So very excited to have Sean on. As I said, obviously working with Zenny. He, there's a, a few sports sponsorships that we're going to get to talk about, but obviously we're going to talk a little bit about Sean and his past. Dating all the way back, and yes, dating all the way back to the Pac-10. Uh, and obviously, we know college sports is very much in the uh, in the limelight right now. Um, I don't know if limelight's the correct terminology, but we're talking a lot about college sports. So definitely, um, it's a little disappointing. Uh, we'll see what happens. Got to be healthy. Got to be safe, though, right? I mean, you, yeah. you used to work at the Pac-10. Uh, what the heck do you think they're going through right now? Yeah, I actually call it crosshairs. I mean, I spent the morning just kind of following all the news breaking, and it's been such like a topsy-turvy last week for college sports where there was so much hope and optimism that it might get executed and schedules coming out. And then next thing you know, on just yesterday and one night, it's everything's going to get canceled. The Big Ten's going down, the Pac-12 next, and then who knows what's going to happen. So, I mean, it's a really tough landscape right now that everybody's trying to navigate. And depending on how you're viewing the coronavirus in general, it's sort of, you know, what your viewpoint is going to be on what is safe and what is practical to do for, you know, entertainment. Uh, and obviously the professionals are handling it one way and um, compensate for that. And, uh, they're, and they're grown adults uh, versus the kids that are playing college sports. There's obviously many more considerations to go through, but you know, just as a sports fan, uh, and yes, a former Pac-12 graduate assistant. Uh, hail the, the that was my first job out of college, actually. But the uh, it's just sad to see that this may be the case. Uh, uh, at least if it's not a delay, a postponement, um, which nobody wants from a sports fan's perspective. Exactly, and and again, it's different. They're you know remember these kids are not getting paid. Uh, I think that's the the most important thing. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole of that side of the argument. You know, I'm probably you and I. No offense, Sean. I don't think we're going to change anybody's viewpoint on that. No matter what we uh, what we bring to the table there. But you're right. They're not getting paid. So let's just make sure if it's not done in the safest way possible, probably just best not to do it. And yeah, I thought that was crazy too. Just all of a sudden. Like, as you said, schedules are coming out. Everything was coming out. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you know, it looks like everything's getting canceled. So we'll see yeah. what happens, man. But I don't know. Crossing my fingers. Let's yeah, just same here. Same here. But um, that was a little uh, not really. That really wasn't the intention of starting the show. It kind of just happened that way. Because usually the first question I have for everybody on this show is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, gosh, that's a big one. Um I think, I mean, mainly, I mean, I was, you know, as an athlete growing up, uh, played football, ran track, but more so just I, the, the camaraderie of sports, whether you're participating or just being a fan has always been something that I've loved. And, you know, nothing brings people together like sports from, especially in this real, you know, divisive and, 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 and socially fragmented place that we're in right now, sports has always acted as a unifying uh, aspect of our society. And, you know, that has been a great thing. People that you would maybe never hang out with socially, you're high-fiving at games and you're hugging once, you know, someone's throwing a game-winning touchdown pass and everybody can get behind the power and the fanship of whatever team you're rooting for. So, you know, beyond just the 
the thrill of representing your alma mater or your city or whatever you know it's just that kind of like the enthusiasm the pageantry and just all of the um thrill that goes into to to really in live sports you know i think we're in this new day and age now that we're we're trying to get into esports and actually zenny's done a lot of investment in that space and actually one of the exciting parts of that world was the live experience taking it off on uh taking it offline uh which of course is on pause right now but yeah i just since i've been a, a little boy growing up in the bay area i've been privileged and lucky to have a lot of teams that have been really successful so it just kind of carried me through all these years yeah man i mean the uh, i'm here uh giants and a mets fan so i've had a little bit of happiness uh in my life the last you know 20 whatever years but the mets they're always gonna mets man and they're gonna keep mets in me right until the day i die so we'll we'll see what happens there but no i i completely agree with you i mean fan is short for fanatic right i think i've said that probably a thousand times on the show at this point and it is. It's just crazy. You know, you, you put on a piece of laundry and, um, you know, we're, we're now immediately friends or yeah. we're, we're frenemies. You know, we can have fun. I see an Eagles fan. As long as I'm not in Philadelphia, I'll yeah. probably live. We'll start with that. But it's also just, you know, it's a little bit of banter. It's something fun we can do back and forth. It's a very easy way to connect with somebody. And, you know, over the last few months, we haven't had that. Now, thankfully, it's all back. Uh, right. So we're very excited to get to talk a little bit about that. And, Really, again, you know, how you and, and how the Zenny team are really going about finding these particular teams and, and these cities and these markets that you're really honing in on, because I think it's a really interesting group of teams. But before we do get to that, I did want to talk a little bit about, so as we said, you know, you were in the, the Pac-10, and I'm never going to let you forget that. Um, you were in the Pac-10. You were That was one of your first jobs out of school. But just yeah. a couple other places you've worked, but I have Oracle, Robert Half, StubHub, Ancestry.com, Art.com, GameTime United, and now with Zenny. I mean, I have to assume it's really, really difficult to to purposely go down that path. But what, where does all this diversity come from? Is that just from being in the Bay Area? Is that a very calculated, um, you know, path you took down? How how exactly does all this happen? Yeah, it's a great question, and I know it seems diverse when you think about the different brands that just rattled off there. Uh, but real, I'll tell you my evolution if you have a minute after this. But really, the the the, the kind of the glue and the, the binding factor to all those companies you mentioned is most of them are all consumer experience to technology companies, um, Ancestry, StubHub, Art, everybody that I've worked for at least in the last decade or so has really been a consumer oriented tech company. Uh, and that's what Zenny is also. You know, we're a, obviously a retailer of prescription eyewear and, and, and blue light blocking technology, but one that really stretches its, you know, its reach to every consumer out there. And that's one of the things that being in the Bay Area and based in the Bay Area most of my career has been an opportunity to find companies like that. Get my start in sports and one of my early visions of my career was to be in sports marketing, sports PR. Um, and I had a great start at Arizona State where I graduated and had some great mentors there to kind of get me into a place where I thought I could pursue a career and then was able to do a stint at the PAC 10 office at that point at their administrator offices in the Bay Area and you know learned a lot about the industry there and how college athletics worked uh, and then saw a lot of the things that from a career path were maybe not the right thing for me at the time just given um, you know what working in athletics brings to you and you know flashback to 20 years ago I you know I would have certainly love to have some of the exciting opportunities that uh, were in front of me. But then from a level of where I was in the late 90s in a 
kind of a dot-com boom era, there was a lot going on in Silicon Valley and a lot happening in the, in the world of just PR in general that made me feel like maybe I can take some of the skills I've learned in the sports world and apply them to just general business. And that's what I did, kind of pivoting to more of an agency um, field and kind of getting a lot of generalized communications experience uh, from just a, a high-tech PR agency. And how do you like what are some of those skills that you did learn in the sports industry? Because I think one one interesting conversation that I usually have on here is former athletes taking, you know, the discipline and the time management and all the things that they learn in, you know, actually playing the sport. As you said, you you did play some sports growing up as well. But now I'm kind of curious, what were those things that you learned in the sports industry and the business side that you were then able to take over and, and put put forth in all these other companies? Yeah, I think number one, I mean, this is off the cuff, but I think storytelling. I mean, that's what I enjoyed most about being in sports PR. And while I thought I would be a good sports PR rep was really synopsizing and, and adding color to the story that came from any of the events that we were doing either at ASU or in the Pac-10 uh, at the time. And really the essence of communications and PR, depending on how you slice it, is telling that story. Even in you know a broader marketing perspective, it's it's telling a story and communicating value proposition, min, uh, missions, or anything that it comes from any entity you're working for, um, and distilling that down in a way people can understand it and absorb it, and having the nuances from there. So, you know, I really learned that um, in the in the few years I was formally involved in sports. Then had a very nice opportunity, probably 2005, uh, to bring my sports knowledge back into a high-tech company that was on the precipice of really changing an industry, and that was working at StubHub, where I was uh, the head of communications there for a number of years as the, the company was really exploding in growth and visibility and controversy and all the things about the secondary ticket market that were really, really, you know, debated on whether or not this was bad for consumers, good for consumers. It was opportunity and access versus price gouging and all those things. And StubHub was in the, the, just right in the middle of that conversation. And so that was a very fun place to be to bring somebody who was very familiar with live events, both on the sports and music side, but then also very familiar with how to you know, strategically build out a story platform and, and marketing channels for a company that was ready to, you know, really own an industry, which it ended up doing. That is so cool. Yeah. Subhub, obviously, we all know who they are. If you've ever been to a game, you've at least heard of them. If you ever listened to a sports podcast, pretty much, uh, yeah. you've heard of StubHub. So I'm sure you had you laid a lot of the groundwork for that there. And I, I just think it's really interesting, again, kind of you, you the, the way you almost weaved in and out of the sports industry but as you said it's all been connected by that similar hey we're a consumer facing company we're trying to help people with experiences um you know ancestry.com if you haven't heard of them where have you been this whole time ancestry 23 and me all of them uh, you know i'm sure i got my mom one of them and today it's going to be ancestry just for you sean yeah. but i mean what was it then like you know after StubHub, as you said mired in a lot of positivity, a lot of controversy. This is 2006, 2005, when mm -hmm. buying things on the internet was still kind of like weird. <laughs> like, yeah. well, you're going to put your credit card on the internet. People are going to steal it. It's like, well, it's not quite like that. Um, you then kind of come back into the ticketing game through uh, game time. Yeah. And so yeah. I guess like 
how was it again was that on purpose or was that just something just kind of came up you're like i did this once let's just run it back do it again kind of a little of both i mean i loved my time in the ticketing industry i mean stubbo was you know up until zenny probably the best job i had in my career just from a level of excitement and relevance you know that's really one thing that we all aim to do at least i do when i'm working with any business is to be in a company that's relevant to people and can affect change or have some impact on people's daily lives at scale um, and StubHub certainly has done that today if you're any kind of an entertainment consumer. Um, but then as the years went in relationships to some of the founders of StubHub, one of the, the former founders, co-founders, uh, Colin Evans, invited me to get involved with GameTime, which was a new initiative that he had gotten on board with you know, about 2015 uh, in the mobile space. And GameTime was, you know, it really, and still is a, a fantastic platform and, and mobile application for selling tickets on the secondary market. And it was ahead of its time and its platform. Uh, and really, you know, from a kind of a fledgling start, really grew to, I think, 2017, Game Time was the third fastest private growing company in the country, according to Inc. Magazine. So they did a lot in a quick and a small amount of time. And, you know, unfortunately, are, are, are certainly you know, a victim of, of the current status we're in right now. But that platform, you know, really at the time looked to be the future and getting back into the ticketing space, which I, you know, had a, a lot of uh, history in, just initiative, know-how and kind of innate skill. And uh, I like that. I like technology that runs up against sports. So you can combine your personal interests and enthusiasms with things that are on the cutting edge of business. And that has been great opportunity for me. Um, you know, fast forward from game time into Zenny, it's, you know, it seems like completely disjointed that I would go to an eyeglasses company, um, which has then now opened the doors to really incredible sports marketing partnerships that I would have, you know, that it, it, StubHub, we had a, a fair amount of, but I wasn't you know, directly managing those. And then at game time, we were still a little too early stage to invest in this kind of level of, uh, of partnership. But game, uh, Zenny has been just a, a fantastic marriage of the two worlds. And of course, you know, I've sort of manifested some of my own destiny there. The company had never been interested in, in sports marketing prior, but um, knowing what I do know from previous lives and just uh, a consumer standpoint has sort of introduced this and brought this to the company. And it's, it's been quite the, the brand driver for us over the last couple of years. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. Yes. Getting people again, fan short for fanatic, getting people involved. Mm -hmm. And if you can really attach to that, that emotion and, you know, pull on those heartstrings and get people to understand why you're there for their team or their athletes. I think that's the most, you know, one of the, biggest drivers of loyalty that you can get. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So let, let's go to your, your time at Zenny, obviously. So you, you bring up an interesting point. Was was sports marketing, was that what you were hired to do? Or once you got there, you were saying, hey, you know, with this cool little space we can play around and like where, which came first, I guess, the chicken or the yeah. egg? Well, in true that, yeah, it depends on how you look at it. I think I was brought on to run the, the communications team. And, and frankly, Zenny, just in a nutshell, has been a, a fantastically successful company for many, many years, so quietly that it's had virtually an anonymous brand. It's been, we've been selling glasses for 80% off of retail for better part of almost two decades now, 17 years. Whoa. But for the, yeah, since 2003. No right? idea. I know. It's, it's, I didn't, I mean, really, I didn't. When they recruited me, I was like, Never heard of Zenny. Didn't know they were in the Bay Area. I don't wear glasses. These are actually blue blocking glasses. So certainly 
They look really good, by the way. Look really good. I got to drink the Kool-Aid, but then they had, they're really effective too. So it's not even a, a shill job. I mean, you if, thank you. I, I, you probably have a prescription, but if you don't have the blue light blocking lenses in there, I encourage no, everybody. I do. Fantastic. Cause it's, it's so, so relevant to us now um, being just doing this all day long, <laughs> depending on where your job is. But um, no, I mean, I, Zenny wanted to compete with Warby Parker um, and Warby Parker, of course, is a very notable name in the eyewear category. They, have been in business about half the time with us and as us and spent a lot of their early days building brand, building story, doing a lot of the things that as a, as a marketing professional, I applaud and I'm so envious of because those are the types of communication vehicles and touch points that really resonate with consumers. And you build a profile for your business while you're growing its acquisition and all the other things. Now, they're, Different companies have different approaches to that and, and different levels of, uh, you know, investment or capital to fund that. So Zenny was extremely successful with its model of, you know, high style, high quality, but low cost glasses, but selling online in a very, very performance oriented acquisition way and not really telling its story whatsoever, other than some maybe some scant media here or there. Um, and really the not the explosion but just the evolution and the mind share that warby parker acquired in the industry was really a story that zenny rightfully owned and probably should have owned had it kind of taken a different approach uh with its it was just you know the company really wanted to become a household name and thankfully because of its success in business and not being reliant on an exit strategy uh, the company's never taken a dollar of venture capital, which is an amazing, amazing story in its own right. But in doing so, had some of the financial ability to invest in larger marketing partnerships. But specifically, the one that I looked at, at as our, you know, our first four-way, uh, and it was some serendipity that came to us uh, and introduced to us in, in just a, a unique conversation, was you know becoming the Jersey Patch sponsor of the Chicago Bulls. And at that time, um, you know, that was almost, you know, a pie in the sky type of opportunity for the company. You know, it was a, a very expensive investment, something that I think everybody immediately at the company when they saw were like, wow, you know, like Zenny Nike on the jersey of the Chicago Bulls, the iconic Chicago Bulls. Um, but it was something that, you know, we jumped in headfirst with in order to really have a cannon blast of relevancy for a company that had just been flying low on the radar with loyal customers and millions of them, but no mindshare from really the eyewear, the general eyewear consumer. Because there are a lot of people that wear glasses, right? And and you said two decades and that, I mean, I honestly thought this company was like three years old. To be yeah. totally honest with you, I had absolutely zero idea. I went to the website again. I, you know, I'm not doing this interview because I have the glasses. I love them no matter what. And I think you have a cool story. So this was going to happen either way. But I just think it's, you know, that that is very important to understand that for two decades, this company was doing its thing, rocking and rolling, as you said, didn't take a single dollar. Yeah. But not too many people had any idea who they were. Um, now you hear them in, you know, some some audio formats, you know, occasionally. But it's it's definitely interesting. And so you say this this first opportunity came with the Chicago Bulls, as you said, the iconic Chicago Bulls. We all watched the last dance when we didn't have sports a couple months ago. It feels like that was like six to eight, maybe a year ago and, uh, yeah, now at this yeah, point. Yeah. But with that, how 
how like obviously again getting your name out there as you said nike and zenny that's it's nike the chicago mm-hmm. bulls zenny all three yeah. in a nice 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 little row it looks great mm-hmm. how do you measure something like that in terms of okay well a lot of people are seeing it mm-hmm. mostly the people in the chicago market mm-hmm. now are you then like how much then market research has to go into well how many more people are now buying from sh- the chicago market and and how relevant is this or did we just throw a bunch of money at a team in Chicago and kind of cross our fingers? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And I mean, it's the kind of the essence of what brand marketing is versus performance marketing. I mean, you know, we had, Zenny had effectively built its entire business on the back of SEO marketing, acquisition marketing, social media marketing, all the things that give you a one-to-one return on sort of what you're spending on and had become very efficient at that and very successful with that. Um, and the irony is, it built this fantastically successful model with complete anonymity in the, in the market that it's trying to disrupt. Um, and I should say that, you know, we acquired millions of customers, so mm-hmm. that it was not a, a small scale business, but it wasn't one that had any conversation, visibility, or curiosity. If you weren't getting targeted by a Zenny ad, you were effectively, you'd never heard of the company. Mm-hmm. So, to your point on how do you measure a deal like the Bulls, which is you know a seven-figure deal annually and a very you know a big investment for the company, um, you know there is a lot of you know intangibles that go along with that and some just brand elevation value that you buy into, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Um, and when you look at something like that, you know I, I'm happy to say that Chicago is our number one market today, a couple years in. So I mean. Fantastic. That's not something that you can scope for. You can, and you know, it's hard to hope for. There's a lot of different things that you need to go in it. But when you do, when you work with a team like the Chicago Bulls, that is not, and it's actually, you know, admittedly down. You know, they're they're in some of you know they're they're leaner years right now in performance. But we very, look, very nice way of putting that, by the way. Very <laughs> yeah. Nice I mean, well, you know, we're, we we love their partnership, and we and they have a great team there. But let's you know, we be honest about things. They would say the same. Um, and we hope that, you know, they're on the way up and they've got some young, you know, some young players that I think are going to help do that. But we're in a position where if they were a playoff contender or a championship contender, there's no conversation about how we can get into this type of deal because of the costs. Right. Um, you know, we know what the Golden State Warriors commanded uh, and asked Rakuten to pay. And we know Wish.com is paying the Lakers. And all of that is well out of the consideration set for for a company of our size, even though, you know, we did. 250 million in revenue last year and, and having a phenomenal. But in doing so, we were able to align ourselves with an iconic brand that is not only relevant in Chicago, but it's relevant in the United States and worldwide, right? And while Zenny, our name, may mean nothing to a lot of the people that are absorbing the Bulls pro, uh, you know, games, whether it be in Chicago or in the other markets that they play in, of course, um, nationally at times. But the penetration of that logo and the social media reach that the team has, which is one of the tops in all of sports, I believe they were number three, um, the number three franchise in all of sports when we got on board with them, um, you know, became really attractive. And then there's just a matter of like, hey, you know, we're able to do this. And in an industry that uh, has not made any noise, you know, as a category within sports marketing, other than maybe Oakley, certainly Oakley's been a, a longstanding player in sports. Um, but we really felt like, you know, we could do this. And what it did effectively was not just 
open the floodgates to a conversation with maybe every sports franchise in the greater US and beyond, um, just on the opportunity that, hey, this is a newfound category for a lot of teams that are they're looking for sponsorship dollars. And we're in a good place. And we've learned a lot from you know what we invested with the Bulls and are certainly looking forward to many more years with them. But it's uh, given us a way to be more efficient, think about deals in a different way. Um, obviously, what we do with the Bulls is as big and grand as it can get outside of a stadium sponsorship. Uh, but we're really, you know, we're really happy. Uh, the fact that it's it's yielded, you know, the number one performing market, uh, and just gives us sort of an anchor partnership uh, to be the official eyewear of the Chicago Bulls uh, is a is a a lot to say for a company that five years ago nobody had ever heard of. Yeah, I, I think it definitely lends to understanding, you know, as you said, the sports space and how you've again been in and out of it, what you've seen, the technologies, the positives, the negatives that you've seen mm-hmm. along the way. I think it definitely lends a hand to understanding that and, and the fact that you've been able to do something like this, not only just pull it off, but pull it off in a very, very good way, right? Like obviously it you you probably did not assume Chicago would all of a sudden become your number one market. I'm sure you saw an uptick and I'm sure you were excited for that. But to see now it's now one of your number one markets, I think that is just such a great case study on, hey, you know, brand marketing is very important and getting in with one of the, again, most iconic teams of all time probably yeah. doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing. You, you can't go into these types of, of deals hoping that it's going to drive performance. That's the, the I think, the, the last element of it from a brand marketing perspective, because we know how to drive performance. We are very good at selling glasses. What we're not, we hadn't been very good at is telling people that we are relevant, that we are something they should look into, educating them on the value proposition that Zenny is offering to people. And in doing so, you need those channels and those might, you know, megaphones to do that from and ones that people have the affinity and the endearment to. And at the end of the day, there's cachet to be associated with. So, you know, as a sports fan, and then also knowing a lot about the industry and how much uh, endearment there are from fans that have, you know, engaged with uh, team partners, it just felt like this is something that we could do. Uh, And again, kind of provide that announcement of, you know, we are here and we're going to, you're going to be hearing a lot from us in the coming years. I love it. I think it's awesome. And so, so with that, like, talk to me a little bit more about how exactly. So as you said, Zenny, the one thing that they didn't do great, obviously the performance side, it sounds like you guys had that down pat. It was the telling of the story and then throw on top, as you said, this is a brand new category for a lot of teams around the country, around the world. Mm -hmm. So how do you then go about crafting your story through a team and through, you know, an industry that's really never seen this type of story before. It sounds like you guys had like full creativity. There was really nothing to go off of. So it's like, you know, you're not bowling with bumpers, right? You're really trying to, you know, you have a blank canvas. How do you go about then trying to tell that story again in an area that's never really seen it before? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, you know, with the bull specifically, I mean, and this deal was, uh, done at, at warp speed. Uh, we launched in October of 2018, which was uh, literally, I think, three days before the season started. And we had maybe backed that out six weeks before we were getting wow. this deal done. So, I mean, the industry, I think, was shocked to see how fast 
we turn this around. And I give you know a lot of credit to my team internally and the Bulls as well as the agency that put it. We had, we, it came upon us so fast to introduce the brand and introduce ourselves to, to Bulls Nation that we spent the first year just basically putting up brand and, and all the elements and the assets because it was the fastest thing that we could get up there and take advantage of the assets. And of course, if I could have done it differently, I would have had six months to plot the course to do that. But this opportunity came and was kind of a once in a lifetime deal. If you don't take it now, you can't decide to be the Jersey Patch sponsor of the Chicago Bulls next year. It's now or never. So, you know, that first season, people got a lot of visibility to Zenny and saw the logo a lot and obviously saw some creative with um, glasses and understood that we were, you know, an eyeglass purveyor, but didn't necessarily get the full message of what the value proposition is online only, you know, extremely low price glasses that start at $7 for a full prescription pair. And in going into year two, you know, we learned so much and we had so we got some support in third party agencies to really help us maximize and manage this type of partnership um, the way it should be and started to leverage our player ambassadors. We had a number of different Bulls players that have helped us promote the product uh, from Zach Levine to Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. and Ryan Archidiakno, who is, you might remember from, you know, Villanova. Oh, there you, okay, there you go. Yeah, Wendell, let's go. Yeah, Wendell's a, Wendell's a dookie. And, uh, um, but they've all been great uh, to give us visibility, touch points, or just have different weapons to use in market. Uh, and then we built a campaign around them last fall, um, call it the Off the Court Collection, which featured all these guys in their any glasses but not in uniform you know very similar you might remember a campaign that kevin love did with banana republic a few years back that was kind of what we um modeled that after and giving us you know some creative to put out in the market some familiar faces and to use these guys as models and and capture you know their audiences to get a little bit more traction for a product and again, it's all about establishing a look, feel, and you know, you know, dare I say, cool factor around Zenny, who surprisingly didn't have necessarily a perception of like, oh, these are just low, cheap eyeglasses. It's I use this analogy a lot on how Zenny was perceived when I started the company, but you know, we're all familiar with Instagram and influencers that have millions of followers and whatever specialty you know line there are, and. Millions of people follow these individuals, but outside of that audience, they're almost anonymous, um, you know, unless they're world famous for something. You know, everyone knows a Kardashian, but someone that has 10 million followers that's a gamer or a model, you're going to be, most people are like, never heard of them, they did, but they have this devoted fan base. That's what Zenny had prior, but we weren't extending beyond the boundaries of that, and we needed different vehicles to do that. And I think, you know, again, just aligning, aligning yourself with sports in general, I think is, is just a great way to capture that audience, especially as you said, when you can then utilize these athletes as ambassadors, you can then have these athletes be the people you can see them wearing the glasses. And, and once you start to make that connection, you know, Hey, uh, the bulls are my favorite team. You know, all these guys are wearing these glasses. Let me just look it up. Oh, it's $12. Okay. I, I could probably get a new pair of glasses. I haven't had a pair. I mean, I think the only reason I got a new pair of glasses was because mine, mine broke. I had right. Nike glasses. 
They mm-hmm. broke. I got, I've had these for the last 18 months. They've been nothing but fantastic blue light blockers, prescription, the whole thing. No joke. I think like $28 I spent yeah. on them and they've wow. been fantastic and I love them. Um, and it's, it's, it's so much fun. And, and so with that, as you said, you know, utilizing, you know, as you said, even gamers. And I think it's such an easy connection for what you guys do at Zenny with the blue light blocking mm-hmm. and esports. that, you know, if, if you didn't think about it already, you know, what the heck are we doing? So what was it like trying to just understand that space? You know, you coming from more of a traditional, I'll put some quotes, uh, yeah. you know, especially with the ticketing side. How do you then go to some of these people? I mean, you're maybe in San Francisco, so it's a little bit easier and the Bay Area, at least. How do you start to just understand that space just at surface level yeah no that's a that's also a great question and a guy that is based in the bay area and is somewhat tech savvy but man the last video games that i played were like the early days of madden you know like uh, madden 95 or something i was gonna say 94 right let's go I, i was not a gamer for a second and as a marketer though you couldn't ignore what had been happening over the last three or four years in the gaming space like it had not only grown up out of the shadows, but had become just no matter what product you're pitching, you have to, you have to look at the esports space. And, and, and so, but of course myself flying blind, not knowing anything about it in, inherently. So we engaged with a, a great agency. And I want to give them a shout out here, DKC group. That is um, a fantastic consigliere and counselor on that space in general and they basically introduced us to what would be the on-ramp uh to developing a real level of notoriety and visibility within that space for which we feel like we have a product that's endemic and, c- and could be endemic to um the esports category in these blocks glasses where which for every gamer should be standard issue when you're starting off just like a chair or your headphones or peripheral and with that, we started to engage with team partnerships, um, the Golden Guardians, which are owned by, owned by the Golden State Warriors. And that was our deal last year. Now we have expanded that to five team deals. We are been really excited to have a team in the NBA 2K, the Nets gaming crew. That's been a, a great kind of addition this, this year uh, in the midst of the pandemic, especially when you're seeing NBA 2K being played on ESPN. And, and that's been fantastic and we've had some other teams that are playing in a variety of different titles so now we're stretched across across 16 different games within the space uh, of esports you know league of legends world of warcraft um over overwatch all the the popular titles and that has given us just that many more touch points now of course you know who could have predicted the environment that we're in today but you know serendipity now as i believe they said on seinfeld that's the that's just the the, the the lucky break that we had that we were already on a course to investing that haven't had to take a quick turn to go into esports you know we had these relationships building and brewing um, and have great uh, counsel and so are now continuing to look at all of the opportunities in esports just given the fact that most of our assets in traditional sports which sadly was the graduation from Zenny online to the offline marketing space, are not as available to us yet uh, as consumers. And so the esports space continues to prove great dividends. And you know, when when the world returns hopefully back to physical interaction, will be still a place that, that consumers can engage uh, in a physical nature with any, which you know we're hopeful for. 
And I, I want to ask a lot more questions about that, really just kind of the time that we're in, but just sticking to the East. Also, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, so appreciate that. But, um, you know, with, with that in the East, as you said, you you can see eyeglasses, especially as you said, you don't wear glasses. You just kind of have to do it. But it also helps when you're staring at screens and you're on Zoom calls for like 18 hours a day. I'm sure you appreciate it. Your brain, your headaches uh, probably uh, aren't nearly there anymore. So with that, like, how do you introduce a product? That makes sense. And you can see it being authentic and genuine and, you know, endemic, as you said, to the space. Like, like how do you create an endemic product, right? Like the chair, you had to sit down. Most people were sitting on couches, but now everyone's got a gamer chair. Yeah. Everyone kind of, as you said, needed the headphones. You kind of need these glasses. How do you tell people they need something, especially in a space that is so visceral, if I may, mm -hmm. and saying like, if you come out and are inauthentic, all of those people online will completely disown you and pretend like you never existed. So how do you walk that tightrope, I guess? Yeah. Well, again, it's the vehicles that we've chosen, of course, with all these teams and, you know, ultimately events. And we were we were all set. We were having physical presence, you know, Zenny experience at some of these shows that we were going to go to. But then also the education piece, right, which is being shared through our vehicles of our team partners. And, and thankfully, you know, we're not pushing a boulder up a hill with trying to explain to protect your eyes from digital eye fatigue and blue light. the That whole groundswell of information has been supported by the eyewear industry as a whole and had been gaining a lot of traction in general. Zenny's been selling these blocks lenses that fit into any frames that you want, you know, yours or mine or whatever, for you know, four years now. Um, and they, they, didn't, weren't, they weren't branded, they were, you know, blue blocker, UV protection, whatnot. Um, but in the last few years, because this science started to present itself as more baked and something that was really becoming um, a detriment to our eye health uh, across the board, whether you're a professional or a gamer or whatever your experience might be, just you know, watching a lot of TV or YouTube, um, with a gamer, especially a hardcore gamer, I mean, it goes without saying how many hours are you spending in front of your, you know, big screen TV or your monitor, just like, and not just focused intently. It's a, it's almost, it's a no brainer product. You know, there, there had been some presence of blue light protection in the space prior by smaller companies that just really weren't, um, promoted and they had, you know, yellow lenses, they had looks that were kind of your cycling type of glasses. And the, the gamers were like, eh, I get it, but just A, too expensive and B, that's not my look. And I don't want to be in that even if it's, you know, healthy. And so now we're giving them the opportunity to choose from 3000 frames. Uh, and if they want, they can get out the door for 25 bucks uh, with a pair of blocks. And you're you just, it's like sunscreen, right? You know, you put sunscreen for your eyes and you put it on and you can play longer, you can play stronger and you just have an opportunity to, you know, save yourself, um, you know, many hours of, you know, eye fatigue. Yeah. And I think that's important because that's something that, you know, kind of does get lost, especially now with, with COVID and everything and everyone being on Zoom calls for hours and hours and hours a day. 
while yes, a lot of people did stare at their computer a lot, you kind of have to be, people can see you now staring at your computer. So you really have to be there. I think that's important. Sure. And and sticking to that side of the topic of conversation now with, you know, so, so we've been talking about the Bulls, but you also have deals with the Red Sox and the 49ers as well. Um, as you said, then a few of these esports teams around you, um, the especially even like kind of the Nets, like pseudo Nets through their 2K gaming. I guess with everything that's going on, how are you as a sponsor trying to, again, understanding that the situation we're in has kind of never happened before. How do you make sure that you're getting what you, you know, legitimately paid for and and we're expecting out of some of these deals, but still being understandable that like, all right, there are no live sports for four months. Well, how can we kind of make sure that we're still at least doing something and pushing that ball uh, to keep it, keep it rolling? Yeah. And that you just described what I've been working on for the last three months (laughs) and you know, having a lot of conversations and unfortunately a lot of wait and see because it's not even defined on the partner side of things. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, you know, we feel just as much for the teams, you know, they're in the dark as much as we're in the dark. And of course we're paying them for assets that they can't deliver. Um, and they're trying as, as best they can to provide, you know, the adequate make goods that may, may be helpful. Um, but then we also don't know what's executable. And so, you know, of course, thankfully now we're seeing with the NBA has come back, major league baseball's come back and, you know, fingers crossed NFL will, will go off as, as planned. And I, I'm hopeful that it will. So at least our partners are active um, and relevant, you know, the college football scenario, which we don't have a partnership in is, is just, is so tragic because it'll just, it'll be void of any relevancy. Um, but you know, most of our partners are relevant. The 49ers, which you mentioned, it was an amazing coup for a deal that we struck last year before the season. Um, you know, a local company we're, we're, you know, we're based in the Bay area. Uh, obviously the 49ers were on the precipice of returning to, you know, a high level of competition and who could have foreseen, you know, a Super Bowl appearance. So we were like over the moon about that. And, They've just been such a great partner to work with and always thinking about Zenny and how they can help Zenny do more visible things, even within the constructs of, of, the, of our deal. Um, but, you know, their hands are tied too. And so right now, you know, we, of course, thankfully have the designation, the affiliation, and we can market that um, official affiliation through our means. Um, we have a great relationship with George Kittle, you know, who is, emerged as one of the best players in the NFL. And, you know, he's an ambassador for us. And we had a Super Bowl commercial in selected markets with him um, last year. And then coursing into that uh, in the fall with a campaign that was promoting both the brand and the blocks glasses. And we're going to do more with him this year. So looking at all of the vehicles that are available to us in this environment, you know, and with fingers crossed that, you know, there's more, I, there's not well there won't be participation unfortunately with pro sports i don't think until you know we get into the next year um but we have the advantage of of course the viewership and you know people watching on tv so if you're going to be watching 49er games at least you know locally this year you're certainly going to see a spot for zenny to, to promote that um with george and you know we're looking at the, the red Sox was something that we had ready to was, was all ready to go for the this season it was going to be a more significant level of partnership and then of course it scaled back given the fact that that a lot of those assets aren't available and they've been great um, and very, very easy to work with on that level. And so, you know, this is sort of a bridge into next season, which we hope is is normal, um, where we can really introduce Zenny in a variety of different ways to an attentive audience um, that immediately 
you're affiliated with their team. Yeah. And I think that again, it's, it's such a fun way of going about it and getting people involved. And it must be awesome for you getting to work with the 49ers, right? Like being a it fan is, of the team well, kind of- as, as a guy that, you know, has, has had that and was one of his first sports experiences. It's been fantastic. And then, you know, to be involved with the team as it goes on a Super Bowl run and is, you know, five minutes away from a championship uh, was phenomenal in our first year with the team. And then now they have situated themselves to be a contender every year. So, you know, you, you couldn't be it couldn't be better timed to get back into like an era of success for the team. Yes. And for you personally, again, that's yeah. got to just be awesome. So very, very, uh, very fortunate. Very, very jealous of you on that one. Um because I don't think the Mets are ever going to be good again, but that's a whole nother thing. So, um, Sean, this has been absolutely fantastic. One th- one last thing I wanted to say uh, with the, the George Kittle stuff, I know he just got this sweet Master Chief tattoo. Like, how do you then start to have conversations with these athletes, especially with some so, so many of them being gamers? Yeah. How, how much do you try and really marry all these different marketing avenues that you're going down, again, in a really authentic way? Because I think that would just be a blast. Yeah, great point. And uh, we certainly are trying to. The NBA guys are, are big time mm-hmm. gamers. And uh, we've looked at a lot of different things to bring them into the realm so we can cross pollinate some of the professional sports, traditional sports with things that are top of mind and trending, right? You know, that's that's the esports. It's the, you know a very hot topic uh, for all, you know, I guess, younger to competitive, uh, you know, athletes and gamers. It's something that everybody's playing. Um, Kittle, I don't know if he's displayed gaming tendencies yet. I got it. We have to talk to him about that. But anywhere that we can do multiple touch points, I think we're going to. That's why we have some great support on that level. Um, you know, we, we're excited about looking at the Red Sox and, and guys that, that can help us promote the team there. And, you know, that's really what kind of makes it exciting and brings it to life. When we are going to be introducing, George is going to have his own signature line of Zenny glasses coming out in the fall. So look for those. And, that's a real, you know, direct parlay um, to for them and him and his wife actually to show their style as well as him to kind of just promote himself off the field and then give us a more literal integration with what he is, you know, bringing to the to the uh, company. I love it, man. That is so cool, Sean. This has been absolutely fantastic. It's a uh got a couple minutes left but i'm gonna let you go maybe grab a class glass of water enjoy the rest of your day sean pate brand marketing officer at zenny where can everybody find you online and where can everybody go to buy some of these awesome glasses well we can you can easily just go to zenny.com z-e-n-n-i.com easy place to go you can go to zenny.com slash blocks b-l-o-k-z to get the blue light blockers real fast um and i'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, at Sean Pate. And uh, it's, uh, it's fun. You know, it's, it's, I appreciate the questions. Those are, those are some good ones about the career and the, you know, the career path and getting here. And one thing that I just had a passion for sports my entire life. And so, and I know it just instinctively. So bringing that to a business that may have not had that insight has been really fun and looking forward to doing more. Heck yeah, man. Well, thank you for enjoying your time. That's the one thing I always try and make sure is as long as the guests have a good time, maybe it means they'll come back one of these days. But no, man, you're absolutely fantastic. I appreciate the answers. I appreciate the insight. One more time, Sean Pate, brand marketing officer at Zenny. I'll have all the information in the show notes for everybody on YouTube as well as on the podcast. So thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks, Michael. And continued success to you guys.